0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. A brand new week of bringing clarity to the chaos is here, with topics covering the pagan traditions of Halloween. We'll take a look at the important topics covered in the latest Prophetic Observer Newsletter. Von Schatzer will share a special Election Day message and MacDominick will help us battle evil through the power of God's Word. As we begin today's program, a huge thank you to everyone who attended last week's three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio. Hundreds of people, over a dozen speakers, and a ton of information and encouragement. An outstanding response from everyone who attended. So thank you, thank you to everyone who was there and participated. Tomorrow, the world celebrates Halloween candy, costumes, and more? Here's Dr. Larry Spargemino and Josh Davis to discuss this pagan holiday and its origins.
1: I'm privileged to be joined by Watchman on the Wall host, Dr. Larry Spargemino, and we are discussing the book Pagan Traditions, written by Dr. David Ingram. And on this day before Halloween, we'll be discussing such things as the origin of Halloween. And what does the Bible have to say about these pagan practices? And how should Christians approach Halloween? This is a debatable subject that many people have different opinions on. And so we'll share some of that as we go through this program today. Pastor Larry, it's so wonderful to be with you one more time.
2: Yes, a great privilege and always a joy to work with you.
1: Now, tell us a little bit about Dr. David Ingram. I know that he was a close personal friend of yours, and maybe describe your relationship and his ministry that
2: enabled him to be able to write a book like Pagan Traditions. Well, David was a personal friend. We had done many programs together. Before I came to Southwest, the church I pastored in Tennessee was very close to the WHCB studio at that time. So whenever David Ingram was in the area, he would come out to our church, he'd play the guitar, sing, and open the Word of God. And uh, many years ago, David realized that our nation and people were infatuated by paganism. He also realized that this was one of the things that Israel was also doing in biblical times, and it made the Lord very unhappy and uh, he believed, and I agree with him, that it's also offensive to the Lord today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This invasion of paganism is not a good thing for America. We are in deep trouble, and I think this is one of the reasons why we have accepted so much of paganism. It's become part of our lifestyle, and it's a serious, serious issue. And we are discussing
1: his book pagan traditions the origins of easter christmas and halloween and it is available through our ministry by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting swrc.com and this book will equip you with historical background information on the origins of easter christmas and halloween and how some of the pagan influences infiltrates how people observe these days and uh, the special pagan influences that creep in to how we observe these days so what are some of the pagan origins of halloween pastor larry
2: well joshua the word halloween comes from the phrase all halloween in northern europe all saints day was known as all hallows day it was the day that celebrated the saints the hallowed one so it was called all hallows day it was celebrated on November the 1st, but the evening before, October 31st, was known as All Hallows' Eve. that is the, the eve of All Hallows' Day or All Saints' Day. So it really goes back to uh, that. In addition to that, that date was also a day of the Feast of Samhain, a celebration that the Druids and the Celtics, tribes of Britain, France, and Northern Europe, took part in. For these ancient people, this marked the end of one year and the first day of the next. It marked the the passage from a season of growth, harvest, and warmth to one of death, darkness, and cold. And that of course reminds me that so many of these pagan roots of uh, so many of the festivals and the things that many people today have copied are basically what should I say, primitive nature stories that sort of elevate the seasons, the natural world, the movement of the stars, and all of that to a position of celebration. And of course, we know that God is in control, not the stars, not the seasons, nothing of that sort. Halloween uh, is generally a special time for witches. Now, witches don't call Halloween, Halloween. They claim that Halloween is the, quote, Christian name for it. They call the celebration with the name of Samhain. Samhain is a time to honor the dead, and also it takes note of the dark side of life. If you read some of the uh, things that uh, witches believe, they get into some very dark things that, of course, as far as I'm concerned, shows where they're coming from. Many of them brew potions. All of their potions are not bad, nor are they associated with evil. In fact, if someone was truly good to that witch, they concoct a potion. That will make them forget their problems. And so on Samhain, they perfume their homes to cleanse it of evil spirits. And another thing they often do this is witchcraft, they celebrate unbaptisms and black masses. They are separating themselves from the religion that they grew up with, many from Catholicism or Protestantism, and they kind of have a festival. When they get unbaptized and uh, or black masses, this is their revolt against what they see as traditional Christianity. So the whole thing is really very sinister, as far as I'm concerned, and very dark. David Ingram lists 12 forbidden practices that
1: pagan celebrations of Halloween often enjoy and employ into the celebrations. Could you explain some of those for us, Pastor Larry?
2: Yes. As I'm looking at the book, there are a lot of scriptures, and I won't, for the sake of time, uh, read all the scriptures. But number one, enchantment, the act of influencing by charms and incantations, the practice of magical arts. That's really deeply rooted in Halloween. Then number two, witchcraft, the practice of dealing with evil spirits, the use of sorcery or magic. In Galatians 5 says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry and witchcraft then thirdly there's sorcery the use of power gained from the assistance or control of evil spirits especially for divining we don't gain knowledge from evil spirits we gain knowledge and truth from the word of god as it is energized in our hearts by the holy spirit number four divination fortune telling that's very common today, and it was also common in ancient Israel. God spoke against it. Uh, number five, wizardry, the art or practices of wizard sorcery. A wizard was someone skilled in magic, a male witch, a sorcerer. And uh, Leviticus 19 says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord thy God. Then. Necromancy, that's number 6, communication with the dead, conjuring up the spirits of the dead for purposes of magically revealing the future or influencing the course of events. That is to say the least very pagan. Number 7, charm or charms, to put a spell upon someone to affect by magic. Number 8, stargazing, that is astrology, the divination of the supposed influence of the stars upon human affairs and terrestrial events by their positions and various aspects. Now, of course, that's totally pagan. God is sovereign. God is in control of everything. Soothsaying, the act of foretelling events, prophesying by a spirit other than the Holy Spirit. Of course, that's wrong. Prognostication, the foretelling from signs or symptoms, prophesying without the Holy Spirit. Soothsaying, The Bible condemns that. Number 11, observing times. That's astrology. And then number 12, magic or witchcraft. And all of those are very, very serious. Many of the roots of these things lie in the very evils that are specifically prohibited by the Bible. It's celebration is really, Joshua, an affront to the faith once delivered to the saints. David pointed out, he said, Halloween and Christianity are totally incompatible. To embrace the one is to frustrate the other. And I completely agree with that. And we'll talk some more about that very
1: important point in just a minute. And I'm reminded when I was in seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was October 31st. I was driving through town with a friend of mine on the way to a certain place that we were going and just happened to pass by one of the popular city parks and there was a wedding taking place there after dark october 31st everyone was dressed in witches costumes and things like that it was like oh my goodness we had to stop and slow down and go by there just to see are we really seeing what we we think we're seeing and so much in our culture today is celebrating the dark aspects Of this day. Now, I don't call it the devil's day. Some people do, but I I think every day belongs to the Lord and that we walk in his light as he is the light and we can shine the light of Christ on this day where darkness is often celebrated. We're talking about the book by Dr. David Ingram Pagan Traditions, the Origins of Easter, Christmas, and Halloween. You can pick up your copy of this great study by calling us at 1 800. 6521144 or visit swrc.com What are some of the symbolisms I know we've talked about witches and things like that but there's other symbols there's other aspects of Halloween paganism that bleeds into our culture today what should Christians be warned of when it comes to these kinds of symbols and and other aspects of Halloween that bleeds
2: into our society today That's a great Great question, because people often ask me, you know, they say, well, if a kid dresses up as a witch and straddles a broomstick, will that kid grow up and be a criminal of some sort? Now, this is the common question. And uh, usually those who ask it are trying to prove to themselves that Halloween traditions are really not bad. Uh, lots of people believe that they're just neutral. We certainly have to be honest, dressing up as a witch and straddling a broomstick does not guarantee that a kid will grow up and be a criminal or whatever. Nevertheless, and this is really what we have to remember, the celebration of Halloween, Joshua, by children does make them less sensitive to the dangers of experimenting with the occult. It kind of opens them up. You know, kids are very, very curious. You had just given your own personal testimony about when you were in seminary. I remember when I pastored in Tennessee, this was a a real strong Bible Belt area. But on Halloween, there were dead animals uh, animals that had been tortured, animals had been put on railroad tracks. There was a cave near where I used to pastor. It was out in the country, and uh, the the, the natives, the locals said, don't you dare go near that place. Kids get caught up in this. It's kind of exciting. You know, you have a sense of power by a charm or by some kind of magic potion. I can control how people think. I can control whether or not people like me. So it looks to kids like lots of fun. However, witches soon lose their repulsiveness. Communicating with the dead seems less horrifying and demonic entities less threatening. Wearing a mask and going boo is especially dangerous when a kid wearing the mask turns out to be a friend or a neighbor. Now, that is very subtle. Sometimes kids say, Well, Charlie is doing it. Why can't I do it? It's a common response. And Joshua, I've, I've often. Uh, realize that, you know, some people say, well, you guys are straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. You know that passage where some of the Pharisees actually would strain their beverages through a fine cloth, a cloth with a fine weave. They did not want to swallow a gnat, which in Leviticus is the smallest of unclean creatures. But the camel was the largest of the unclean creatures. And so some Christians think that being opposed to pagan traditions like Halloween is straining out a gnat. I don't agree that pagan traditions are just gnats. For example, David gives a couple of really good examples from 2 Kings 23, the life of godly Josiah, and so forth. And throughout the Bible, we see what happens to God's people when we allow pagan traditions in our lives. I think. The lessons and the warnings are very clear, and we need to heed these lessons and warnings.
1: Amen. And I think that David Ingram does a wonderful job of explaining some of the origin behind some of the symbolisms, even the jack-o'-lantern. He talks about where that came from as a torch symbol and to ward off evil spirits, many things like that that Oftentimes, we just don't stop and think about. We just do it because everybody else is doing it. But once you begin to realize where these things come from, then it begins to inform you and begins to help you to understand how should we approach these things? How should we move forward with these kinds of concepts? history and looking back to the way that things used to be and well we just keep doing this because it's family tradition right and we right. don't really see behind that to understand what's really going on and so friends we encourage you to pick up your copy of this book Pagan Traditions by Dr. David Ingram The Origins of Easter, Christmas and Halloween you can pick up your copy by calling one 800 652 or by visiting swrc pastor larry i guess the million dollar question to all of this is how should christians approach halloween you know now that we understand these things how do christians approach it i I know that there's people who say they've got a wide variety of viewpoints on this topic
2: well joshua you know we, we have to remind people if we are pastors we have to remind them for example that we do have a mandate from the lord to refuse to be conformed to this world romans 12:2 we're also told that friendship with the world is enmity with god james 4:4 4, 4. so no one should feel apologetic for dealing with this topic and david ingram pointed out something very interesting he said we are concerned that when the church fails to go into all the world to make disciples the opposite happens the world comes into the church and cripples the church, and that is so profound. That hinders ministry. So definitely, this is a great topic. Now, some of the things I think that Christians should do in approaching Halloween, number one, Christians, and especially Christians who are parents, should be consistent in church attendance in a Bible-believing church. Now, there's no magic in church. I, I, you know, some people say, well, you think you go to church. or Now, there's no magic in church, but the Word of God is taught, the Word of God is preached, and we need to be consistent. The Bible tells us to neglect not the assembling of ourselves together in Hebrews chapter 10. So by consistent, I mean not just at the end of October, okay, or around Christmas time. I mean through the whole year, the way we live. What we read. Kids watch what we read. Kids watch what we look at on television. And to say the least, TV is going downhill fast, and anybody who's attached to TV is going downhill fast as well. So that's the first thing consistent church attendance. Number two, parents need to set a godly example, not just by what they say, but their whole lifestyle. And kids are watching us. You're, you're, you have some little children, they're watching you. My daughter is is uh, grown up now, but I'm sure she still watches me, and and I know kids have so many questions, and kids are looking to see if mom really believes this. Does dad really believe? I mean, they go to church, but they really do. They really believe what's being taught from the pulpit. Do they really believe what's taught in the Sunday school? So I think that's very very important. The example of parents. And then I would say, number three, that parents need to be aware of what their kids are learning in public school. Wow, that's a big topic. You know, by the time a child is seven or eight years of age, they have made up their minds about a lot of things. You know, sometimes Christians say, well, my kid can go to elementary school and public school, but when they go to high school or when they go to college, they need to go to a Christian organization. Well, let me tell you, parents, if you think that way, it's too late. By seven or eight years of age, they have already made up their minds. And, you know, a lot of Christian parents tell me, "Whoa, I don't know what happened to my kid. The kid's so far away. And, boy, everything I talk to about the Lord just in one ear or out the other, or they get angry, and they get angry at me, and they don't want to go to church. Guess where this comes from? They got this kind of stuff in elementary school, and especially today in America. It's a horrible, horrible situation. You know, where I've pastored is generally in a rural area, and people can't believe that teachers in a rural area could be so wicked. Well, let me tell you this. The school systems in rural areas do not write the curriculum. No doubt that the teachers are great. But the curriculum is being written for New York City, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, Seattle, Washington. So actually, the devil is getting a foothold into the schools and into the hearts of boys and girls, even in little country towns where you've got the little white picket fence, nice church. Everybody is friendly. But guess what's coming into that town through the public school system? Something very, very evil. And we need to be aware of that influence.
1: I'm talking with Pastor Larry Spargimino about the book Pagan Traditions by Dr. David Ingram, The Origins of Easter, Christmas, and Halloween. And you can pick up a copy by calling us at 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting swrc.com. Pastor Larry, I've got young kids, and you know this is something that with other Couples that are our age, that people have many different opinions on how Christians should approach Halloween. I know we've got some friends who were saved out of pagan lifestyles and grew up around these kinds of things in their family, an extended family. And so they want absolutely nothing to do with this day at all. Right. There are other Christians who don't think of it in terms of discipleship, don't think of it in terms of glorifying God and uh, they go the opposite direction. But I think that there's Christian liberty that can be involved here and issues of the conscience that we need to understand. We certainly, certainly, certainly do not want to bring in any kind of paganism. And my wife and I have tried so hard to be sure to explain the differences here to our kids and to help them to understand why we don't do certain things that the world perhaps does. and. We don't look at October 31st the way that the world does, but where I live, I live on a busy street and people literally will park their cars, come from all over our town to the section of the city that I live in to come up and down the sidewalks to the houses for trick or treat. And so my wife has worked hard on putting together a hundred or more treat bags with a gospel track it's a great presentation of the gospel this is the one time a year that we have literally over a hundred people well probably close to two or three hundred people coming to our doorstep knocking on our door and we're able to hand them the gospel we want to shine his light brightly into the darkness we want to be a good christian witness uh, and use this as an opportunity to share His love and His light into this dark world. And hopefully and prayerfully, some people will be saved as a result of that outreach. And I can't think of another time of year when you have hundreds of people knocking on your door wanting to talk to you. And I think it's a wonderful gospel opportunity. It can be. I know that people have different views on that. People have different convictions about that. I think that we have to... Follow those convictions. I think if we violate our convictions, then we're going into sin. Some people are convicted to stay away from it altogether, and I encourage you, follow that conviction. I'm reminded of the Scripture in Luke chapter 7, where Jesus was speaking to the people, and the Lord said, Where shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They're like unto children sitting in the marketplace, calling one to another, saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. In other words, we came happy and celebrating, but you didn't join us. We have mourned to you. We have wept. We've been sad, and you haven't wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a devil. But the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man, a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children." I think the Lord gives us a a beautiful passage here that there are some who will stay away and will say, this is dark. We stay away from it altogether. And certainly, I think for the Christian, we don't give in to the dark side of these things. We don't bring up any of these negative images, these terrible syncretism with the pagan traditions of Halloween. But there are some who don't even want to use it as a gospel outreach. And if that's their conviction, I think that they need to honor that They need to follow that, but then for others who can use it as a gospel opportunity to have a smile on your face, to greet the children that come to your doorstep warmly, and to hand them some gospel tracts, I think that that can be a great information. And correct me if I'm
2: wrong on that approach, Pastor Larry. Well, I, I agree with you, because when I pastored in Tennessee on Halloween evening, we didn't call it Halloween. But we'd have a big bash for young people, and we'd have a campfire, and uh, some of our kids would put on costumes, Moses, you had to figure out, they would kind of act out a role, and some kid would, oh, that's Moses, and then somebody else would put on another costume, a little costume, and who was that? Oh, that's John the Baptist, and then after that, we would have a, a big campfire, a hot dog roast, and then we live right next to the National Forest, we'd have a hayride behind a tractor in the National Forest, and it was really exciting. So we got a lot of kids to come, and I know some people think it's a bad idea. We shouldn't do it on October 31st, but I think it's a great idea. There are wonderful opportunities. Rather than kids going tricking or treating, they're coming to our campfire. Wonderful idea, always opportunities to win the loss, to Jesus Christ. And that's really what it's all about, I believe.
1: Yes, I do too. Thank you, Pastor Larry.
0: The book Pagan Traditions by Dr. David Ingram is today's featured resource. This book reveals the true origins of Christmas, Easter, and Halloween. Dr. David Ingram spent years researching the biblical origins, practices, and contemporary remnants of paganism. His message is as important for God's people today as the words of the prophets in Bible times. In fact, his message is the indictment of Scripture of those practices of the holiday season that we should discard. Come see for yourself the opposition the Lord has waged against heathen practices. Order your copy of Pagan Traditions by David Ingram when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. 1144 or you can order at our website swrc.com tomorrow dr larry Spargemino and staff evangelist josh davis will share the latest information covered in the prophetic observer newsletter be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our swrc mobile app by visiting oneplace.com or by simply subscribing to our daily watchman on the wall podcast Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit SWRC.com.